All right, John chapter 3, turn there in your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, it should be up on the screen as well. John chapter 3, as Brother Phil just read. And quick way of reminder, we just got done with John chapter 3, the earlier section where Jesus is having a conversation about what it means to be born again and that we have to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And he has this conversation with Nicodemus. And in particular... Towards the end, Jesus explains that just like the serpent had to be lifted up, if you'll remember that story where these serpents were biting the people and they were dying, and if you were bit, if you were to be bitten by the snake, the serpents, you were to look up and be saved. And he says, just like that, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And the and then verse 15 said, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's what we just covered last week. That feeds straight into this, this week. And remember, I want to share with you quickly out of John 17, I want you to remember what eternal life truly is. And this is eternal life, Jesus says in John 17, verse 3, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus that you gave, uh, whom you sent. That's what eternal life is. It's with God forever with Jesus forever and knowing Him. So I have the fun task of preaching John 3.16 this week. Do you know what happens if you type in Google most popular Bible verse? John 3.16 comes up. Some of you remember Tim Tebow a few years back when he was playing college football. He wrote John 3.16 on his his, uh, eye black there. And the internet blew up. Over 70 million people wanting to know what that is. It is a popular verse. It is the most popular verse because it is a great summary of the Gospel. Let's see how well we know it. Let me hear it. John 3.16. Let's hear it, congregation. Good job. You all get an A today. We're not as familiar with the verse right after that. A lot of times we forget the context of this verse. And so I think that there are times that this verse is misunderstood a little bit. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to go through these verses and we're going to try to see what exactly God is saying here in John 3.16. So let's start there. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. There's something in that verse that should strike you. It should be a little bit bizarre. If you're familiar with Scripture, and if you've been reading or following along with us, even up to this point, because, let me tell you what it says in John chapter 1, if you'll go back in your Bibles a page, 9 through 11, you might have forgotten this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Can somebody help me? Remind me who that is? Jesus. So He was coming into the world, if you'll remember. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. Who made the world? Jesus. As the Son, eternal. Yet the world did not know Him. Is that a good thing? 
Is that speaking of the world in a good way? No, not at all. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Now, if you drop down a little bit to verse 29 in chapter 1, which we covered, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. This is speaking about John the Baptist or baptizer and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the Does that mean the world is in a good situation? No. Full of sin. Other places in Scripture we're told that um, we're to live in this world, but not of it. We're told to to not love this world and the things of it. Generally speaking, Scripture, the idea of the world is not something that's lovely. So when we look at John 3.16, even these first few words, for God so loved the world, we should go, huh? Why would He do that? I need a few volunteers. I'm thinking some youth would be great for this. Would, would, Would you four be willing to come up? You four, come on up. Yeah, come on up. Come on. It'd be great. It's going to be fun. Right over here, please. And we actually always need Mr. Roy to at least be a part of this. He thought he was getting out of it. Great. And Caleb, will you come over here too, please? All right. How many is that? Six? Come on over here, brother. Yep. Just anywhere. Yeah, anywhere with them. All right, here you go, Caleb. Here you go. Ball that up as tight as you can get it. Ball those up as tight as you can get them. You guys, crumple those up as tight as you can get them. I'm a little worried. For illustration right now, I want you to think of this is the world. This is the world right here. Okay? And for this moment, not that I'm even close, but I'm going to be Jesus for this moment. The light who's come. Okay? Now, what they're going to show you with these little balls of paper here is how the world responds to Jesus. Okay? Let me have it. Come on. Mixed with, do this. Boo! That's what's being said in John chapter 1. That's the world. I'm going to need you some more, so if you'll sit right here on this front to start. Go ahead, Mr. White, too. That's the world. So when we start John 3.16, we need to understand that this is the world he's loving. I hope that gets a little deeper for you there. It doesn't make much sense. So why must the Son of Man be lifted up from the verse before? It's an outworking of the very love of God. You see, we find out in Scripture that God actually is love. And so He loves the world in this way, even though the world hates Jesus. And as we read in the response with Ashton, you were part of the world at one time. Okay? Now this, for God so loved the world, don't get caught up in like, Oh, his love was just so much there. No, that's kind of more a better translation might be, and this is the way that God loved the world. Now again, 
It is a remarkable love, especially when there is nothing but hate and animosity towards God. No one is good. No one is righteous. No one seeks God. Romans 3. So, this is the way that he loves the world by he gave his only son. Now, if I were to give a gift, I were to come to you guys, and I were to give you guys a gift, let's say, and I said, there are millions and millions of these coins, we'll say. Millions all around the world, and, I got, and I've got one for each of you. You'd be like, great. Right? But, in this scenario, if I had coins and there were six, and there's only six in the whole entire world. Or even better, if I were to give one, and there's only one coin like this in the entire world, and I were to give you that, that's going to make that gift a little more special, is it not? Right? So when we see that John is writing here and he says that he gives his only son, his unique son, we realize, we need to realize how special that gift actually is. Now, when the begin, in the beginning this morning, we read out of Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Let me remind you quickly here with this. It was the sacrifice of Isaac. And do you remember? Abraham has Isaac right there. He's got the knife and he's about to do what? He's going to slaughter him. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have withheld, you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Hear that language? Your only son. I think what the writer is doing here in John is he's wanting us to remember at least a little bit of this story. Why would we want to remember this story? Well, whose son was Abraham about to sacrifice? his own. But what's interesting is listen to what happens. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. But listen to what Abraham says. So Abraham called the the name of that place, the Lord will provide. So realize, I think when he's saying that, he's reminding us that it's God who will provide the sacrifice of his only son. Okay? So, when we're in John 3.16, God loves the world in this way, this world that hates him. But again, it's an outworking of God's love that he gave his only special son, the one that only he can provide, the one that is worthy of, of sacrifice because he's the only one who's perfect. Now here it goes. Here's why God loves this world. Go ahead and stand back up for us. Stand back up. Now again, there is a general love, absolutely, for this world. But watch this. Here's the point. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, what do we know from Scripture? Does everybody in the world believe in Jesus? They don't. But there are some, as God's Spirit works, and they hear the Gospel, and they believe. They believe. So, you, you, and you, I guess. Come on. Come over here. 
You guys are over here. So for now, they have heard the gospel and they believe. Now, whoever believes has what? Eternal life. life. So they believe and they have eternal life. But they were a part of this world that was throwing things at me. Hating me. But they respond to the gospel to believe. And then... Jesus goes on to explain to them, to his disciples. Let me tell it to you. John 15. Listen. Watch this. Listen. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it it hated you. Throw it at them. <laughs> and what do you say? What do you say about Christians? What do you say? Oh, Boo! The world hates you. Know that it hated me before it hated you. Jesus says, "If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own." You guys are okay with each other because they're the world. But you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do on the account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Why do they do this? Because they don't know him who sent Jesus. Okay? So realize right there that this is happening. Now, what is also interesting that Jesus does is the Father sends him into the world to come and save. And then Jesus, you know what he does with his disciples? He says, they're going to hate you and they're going to throw stuff at you. Go back in the world. Go back into the world. Don't be of the world. Be in it and share the gospel. Share the gospel. Share the gospel. And now, all of you, come back this way. That's the big hopeful plan. Do you see the plan? Now, it's unfortunate, but there are some that stay on this side. They don't choose to follow, but that's the plan. Okay, thank you. Give them a hand. Go ahead and sit down, guys. Back to John 3. The reason he loves the world, and there is this overall arching love for the world... But that reason, the main driving point, is that the whoever will believe. Those are going to be the ones that are with him for all of eternity. And there's a special, unique love that God has for those who are in Christ. Do you know why? Hint, it's not because you're special on your own. It's because you're in Christ. And he adores his son. And you're in his son. And there's this special love. He adopts you into his family. Remember, church, just because everyone's created by God does not mean that we're all children of God. That is not biblical. The biblical idea of children of God are those who are adopted into God's family through Christ, big brother Jesus. Make sure we understand that. So if you are here today and you follow Jesus, it's good news. It's wonderful. Last part of John 3.16 there. But have eternal life. Whoever believes in him should not perish, 
be apart from God forever, but you have eternal life. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say you will one day have it. You actually have it. It begins in this moment that you believe and carries on through all eternity to truly know God, be in right relationship with Him, and know His Son. And it carries on. You're given God's Spirit, and you have eternal life, and it carries on forever. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. That's the first coming. If you didn't know, spoiler alert, Jesus comes back. First coming, He's coming to save. Second coming, He's coming to judge. The question is, are you ready for that? Because here's what's interesting. Look what it continues on. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Rejoice, church, if you believe in Him. You are not condemned. You have eternal life. That's encouraging. But whoever, do, but whoever does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Remember our group up here? Our six people, the world, throwing things. Guess what? It's not like we're waiting for the judgment one day with them. They're already condemned. Already condemned. So really, this life, you're already under condemnation if you do not trust in Christ. You're already under condemnation. The only way to get out of condemnation, think of it, a big jail, I'm in a big prison here. I'm in condemnation. What's incredible is, Jesus is the rescuer. And He comes in to pursue you. And He comes in and He's kicking doors down and He's saying, here, I'm here for the glory of My Father and the love of this world and the love of those who are going to believe. Come and follow Me. And what's incredible is what a great offer that is. And we still go, eh, not sure. Not sure I want that. You're already condemned if you don't. You're already condemned. But... If you believe, there's no more condemnation. But realize, it's not like, oh, I'm going to wait for the end, and then God's going to look at my good works and my bad works. No, you're already condemned. If you step out those doors and you die, it's over. Eternity in condemnation. Don't do it. That's why the writer of Hebrews picks up on what David's saying. Today is the day of salvation. And if you're a believer, you rejoice in the fact that He has come, He has loved, He has pursued you, and you rejoice and praise Him for that. And this is the judgment, verse 19. The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Let me get a couple more. Mr. Ashton, if you'd come up. Mason, would you come up here, buddy? John, would you come too? You guys right over here, again on this side. Yeah, you, you can throw it at me if you want. It's fine. Miss Debbie, if you would slide up there. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Watch what happens. Turn your heads away. They don't like that light. It shines bright. 
Those who love darkness, they don't want light. They want to stay away from the light. They want to stay away from the light. But those who love God love the light and want to come to the light. They want their thing, their works to be exposed. See, what the light does is it shines, and when there's darkness, it, it can show what's going on. It can show what your works are. You ever shine a light in a dark room where there's cockroaches? What do they do? Scatter. There are other animals out there. You shine a light, and what do they do? Stare right at the light. So for these guys here, if their works are bad, evil, because they don't love Jesus, when the light comes, they're going to want to turn their back to it. They're going to want to do their works that direction. Why? Because the the light's going to expose. But, come this way with me, guys, over here, if you can see. I didn't blind you too much. A little go around this side. Once they believe in Jesus, now they have this new heart and they love the light. They want the light. They want to be in the light. And so when the light comes, they want, to, they want their works to be shown. They want their works to be seen because they're not ashamed of them. Does that make sense? You tracking? Okay, thanks, guys. Yes, you can give them a hand again. So now look, this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. Why do they love the darkness? Because their works are evil. Why are their works evil? Because as we just learned about Nicodemus, they need to be born again. You, if you have not been born again, guess what? Your works are evil. They are. And you need to be born again. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. They hate the light and will not come to it. Is that you? But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. That's why you want the light, because you want to show that your works are in God. You have nothing to hide. So here's the two big points for today as we finish. Some of you need to come to the light for the first time. Some of you are trapped over here under condemnation. You are not trusting in Christ. You, in fact, hate Christ, even though you don't think you do. If you're not following him, guess what? You hate him. Some of you need to come to Christ today for the first time and say, I'm tired of being here. I want to be over here. I'm tired of condemnation. I want freedom. I'm tired of darkness and I want light. That's some of you today. The rest of you who have already trusted in Christ. What's interesting is we trust in Christ and the plan is we love the light and we love Jesus and we want our works to be in the light. But sometimes we have works that we really don't want Jesus to see. Truthfully, we have works going on that we don't want to talk about. Even though we love the light, here's what happens. Our flesh takes over and we give in to temptation. And we have what's called hidden and secret sins. Newsflash, just so you know, nothing's hidden from God. There's nothing hidden from God. But what we still try to do is we still try to hide it from God and we still try to hide it 
from those who love us. Some of you need to return back to the light today. Some of you need to put your works back in the light and say, God, this sin that I have, I'm tired of Satan using it in darkness because he's destroying me. It's eating me from the inside out. I want to put it in the light so God can deal with it, forgive it, and you can move on and repent from it. That's the big takeaway. Those two things, which one do you find yourself in today? Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that you would love this world, including us, in such a way that you would give the most precious gift possible, your very own son, for us. It doesn't make sense. On paper, this thing doesn't make sense, Lord. And we're so thankful that the way you see things isn't the way we see things. We're thankful that your plans are way higher than ours because if it was up to us, we would all be lost. If we had to give our children and sacrifice our children to save our enemies, we wouldn't do it. But God, you love us in Christ that you would give us your son to come and die, be lifted up and die on that cross as a sacrifice in our place for our sins. But Lord, we're so thankful that Sunday came and that he rose, defeating sin, Satan, and death. And we do not have to be in bondage. We do not have to be in condemnation, but we can have eternal life. I pray for my friends here today. I pray, Lord, that you would work in a mighty way and they would choose to follow you today and say, I want to follow the light. And for those of us who have been following you, Lord, but we have hidden things, Lord, deep in our hearts, things that we're ashamed of, that we don't, that we hide from you, or we try, and we actually hide from others. Whatever's popping in our minds right now, something we've never really confessed, something we've been hiding deep inside, something we would never want anyone to know. Lord, I pray that you would move your people to confess sin, repent of sin, and be free from these shackles they would return to the light. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.